Sorry I'm late to recording sesh, Kyle, but I brought some popcorn. Butter flavor or new car smell? Cheese slice, actually. Oh, great. I need to learn how to wear the cheese instead of it wearing me. Yeah, my son Xander has that problem. I've been training him to be a podcaster. I'm so proud of your son Xander and my son Giles. Hey, did you see that? Something's following us. It's probably just because I'm a Gemini. You're right. Nothing to worry about. Anyway, I have to go help Mead the cat with his homework. Don't forget to be back before dawn. This week, the Buffy gays slip into a slumber full of comical and cryptic dreams and discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 4, Episode 22, Restless. We'll reap the consequential whirlwind of our enjoining spell as we break down the episode and share some behind-the-scenes trivia. We'll warp from one place to another by walking through a weird hallway and rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 10 stakes. And we'll discuss the queer themes and gayest moments of the episode while we prepare a cheese plate for our heroic dreamers. So go grab your blankie, arrange the cheese slices just so, and stop stepping on everyone's cues. Buffy gaze. Oh, sorry. Step on your cue. On this week's episode of Buffy gaze. out. Hello all, I'm Kyle. And I'm Zach. And we're a couple of small town gays who love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Together, we'll examine each episode of this trailblazing series through the lens of our own queer experiences. We'll dive deep into the stacks to break down each episode, share some behind-the-scenes trivia at Scooby meetings, and explore queer themes as we stand against the forces of darkness. So whether you're a first-time watcher, or you've been a fan since the old ones walked the earth. We invite you to join weekly patrols of the Sunnydale streets with your Buffy Buffy Gaze. Hello, Kylocious. <laughs> How's it proceeding? Going, proceeding? Proceeding. Going, it is proceeding. Moving in a forwardly direction. Time marches ever onward. Yes, the road <laughs> goes ever on and on, down from the door where it began. Uh, sure, whatever you say. <laughs> uh, I haven't checked our... I did a much worse Spotify poll this week than I did last week, mm. and I forgot to check it before we started, so I'm going to do that right now. This one was just... <laughs> I was like, what What could I possibly make the poll this week? And it was, which part of the spell would you be? I don't know if... I, 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 I'm curious to see if anyone voted in this at all. I don't think I even did. Mm. <laughs> it is strangely difficult for me to get to our own podcast on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's had it's had five votes. Okay, I'm going to vote and say that I would be the spirit... Oh, mm. that is the majority. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a spirit. Well, the spirit got three votes and everything else got one vote. So, But I'm glad to see people are voting. Thank you very much. Yeah. Someone messaged us on Instagram and was like, I didn't even know Spotify did polls. And I was like, Jaeger, I sure do. Like road work ahead. <laughs> I sure hope it does. So anyway. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's that on that. That's that on that. 
So, uh, Zachary, do you have any behind-the-scenes info for the final episode of Season 4, Restless? No, this one's pretty straightforward. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is, it pretty much just tells you exactly what you need to know. So, uh, Restless first aired on Tuesday, May 23rd, 2000, and it was directed <gasps> by... That was the day after my fifth birthday. <gasps> Maybe I shouldn't be giving my birthday out. Oh, well. <laughs> and his social security number is... Um, <laughs> five, five, five. <laughs> five, five, five. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on tu- in May 23rd, 2000, directed by Joss Whedon. Um, and so there's a lot of stuff um, about this online. Um, yeah, I it's been analyzed to hell and deeper into hell and then up to heaven and back again i'm trying to like keep it to just things that are like because the rest most of it is stuff like that has to do with things that happened in the episode but yeah one thing i've always wondered about is the cheese man and like what it actually means Uh uh-huh and apparently the cheese man is purposefully meaningless okay that's what i was hoping (laughs) so he's just in there to be weird and for people to put their own shit onto it. <laughs> yeah, you got to have a little, uh, you know, senseless dream logic in there. Uh, and there was uh, an interview on IMDb clip or like a little quote that was saying that um, Joss Whedon told the people that whoever was interviewing him, um, he feels like the fact that everybody wonders about the cheese man the most is a sign of success because he's like they're not really wondering about the other stuff they get it (laughs) yeah i I mean i guess i guess i would also be uh be happy about that (laughs) so uh yeah yeah i mean but really i mean really it's just that the cheese man is the weirdest part (laughs) right um and um yeah i think that the cheese man is definitely like the the best part just because it's the most dream thing to just have something totally weird that doesn't make any sense. True. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of, uh, things about like inspiration for shots and scenes and stuff. Um, apparently like that weird guy walking in front of a green screen thing, was like them trying to do like kind of a shot for shot remake of some scene from apocalypse now. Interesting. Um, but making it extra cheesy. Um, I will say I I have not seen Apocalypse Now all the way through. Yeah. Um, but I have seen bits of it. My dad like fucking loves that movie, <laughs> and it really is not far off from what they <laughs> are doing in this parody, at least in my opinion. And uh, Will described it as heart of darknessy, and I a hundred percent agree with that. Oh yes. Yeah. I you had to read that in high school as well. Uh, yeah, it was a slog. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had to read it for AP Literature, and it was not fun. I remember at one point saying to my English teacher, oh, it's like, I get it. It's like you're you're trying to fight through, like, <laughs> the African jungle or whatever. Right. And she's like, exactly. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> Anyway, um, so Cheese Man, let's see what else have we talked about. Um, and, uh, it's funny because that they have Snyder in the apocalypse now part because he, um, sort of quoted it in gingerbread. Oh, it was like, uh, I can't remember what it, the exact quote was. Like, I love the smell of something in the morning, desperate librarian in the morning. <laughs> um, cause the original quote is I love the smell of napalm in the morning, mm. I think. And then, um, 
also a reference to Xander. Um, we get to see kind of the the full circle of the thing he said to Snyder in Halloween, where he was like, I wish I could tell you how much I think of you because he told, <laughs> he tells Xander everything he says in an airborne toxic event. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> um, and let's see, what else do we have here? Um, so apparently there was a big plan to have like a whole bunch more people back. Uh-huh. Like they wanted to have Cordelia and Larry and, uh, in the, um, in the scene with Willow in the classroom, uh-huh. and they wanted to have Jenny come back and be pushing the uh, the the stroller stroller, uh, but scheduling conflicts. And Angel actually was supposed to be like the dream guide, like Tara is. Yeah, so that I'm glad it's Tara. I think it fits. Yeah, I liked Tara. it being Tara. It made to me makes a lot more sense, especially like it would have made sense for Angel to be Buffy's, but nobody else's. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about our. Uh, <laughs> Our Baldur's Gate 3 Buffy run-through that we just started and how we made Willow's Guardian Terra, which, yes. if you've played the game, is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, let's see. It sort of fits in with, like, a thing. Well, never mind. For, I, I was thinking earlier, I was like, we should just make this episode spoilerful and just say nah. this is a spoiler one. If we made it spoilerful, it would be like 5 hours long. I know. Well, because because there's so much foreshadowing in this. Uh-huh. Um and little nuggets of what is to come. But um anyway, uh it, uh, one thing that I liked that was really interesting, so you know, in dreams it's so such a normal thing for you to be one place and then like you start walking and then you're immediately somewhere else yes. or like you open a door and you're in a completely different, like you're like in your bedroom and then you open the door and you're on the beach. Uh huh. Um, and a lot of this was just really easy to do because of the way their set was laid out. They were just like crawling from one set to another. Nice. Um, so it just kind of set up that way. Yeah, and it felt very, I don't know, just the way it was shot whenever they transitioned between those and stuff like that just felt very dreamlike. When they do a lot of things with, like, different camera lenses and flares and lighting and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff to, like, And the, like, choppy up. editing sometimes. Yeah. They talked about, I guess, originally the plan for that scene with the mud on her face. She was just going to put mud on her face, uh-huh. but they're like, oh, this just looks... Like, she's giving herself a facial. This is boring. Yeah, and that's why they did the, like, inverted Negative, colors yeah. effect. Yeah. Which looks really wild. Mm-hmm. I bet if you watch this, like, on LSD or something, oh, that would shit. be so trippy. Right. S- this is sort of inaccurate, but I think it's kind of interesting. Maybe we can discuss the other parts that maybe I didn't catch that were inaccurate. But it says, Anya and the Cheese Man are the only ones, and the First Slayer are the only ones to be in everybody's dreams. Anya... Cheese Man in the First Slayer. Yes. Uh, I'm. Was Tara not in Giles's dream? I don't think so. Okay. She was so in everyone else's. Well, dream. there's more. So. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Tara appears in three dreams: Willow, Xander's, and Buffy's. Uh, and several characters only appear in a couple dreams. Joyce is only in Buffy and Xander's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riley is only in the women's dreams. <laughs> uh, Spike is only in the men's dreams. Oh. And um, it says, while Xander, Willow, and Giles' dream dreams all contain the other three dreamers, Buffy's dream contained none of them other than a quick shot of the four of them in the living room still sleeping. But that's not true because 
you do see Xander on the stairs for like a second. Yeah, but Xander she is in her dream. But she doesn't interact with him. That's true. Like at all. I, you can be forgiven for uh, not noticing that because it happens in like a split second and then she, he's not in the rest of it. Well, she's also holding like this picture of them that's like a shot true. of them hanging out. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, no. So Buffy actually doesn't really interact with any of the other Scoobies in her dream, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, thematically. And let's see. Oh, that that part where Sarah Michelle Gellar is laughing. Um, it said that uh, they had to have like Joss Whedon making faces behind the camera to uh, get that to happen because uh-huh. um, it said Sarah Michelle Gellar hates laughing b- on camera because it's the hardest action to make look natural. Which, uh-huh. I mean, I get that. <laughs> um, and let's see. I forgot this is the first time Joyce and Riley ever meet each other. Right. <laughs> this is the real last appearance of Seth Green on the show. It sure is. Uh, so he is um, no longer on the Goodbye, show. Goodbye, Seth Green. Not to be confused with director Bruce Seth Green. Yes. Not to be confused. Um, let's see. There's a lot of stuff about the clock in uh, Buffy's dream. Uh-huh. Because it's a Sony clock with the O and the Y, uh, like scraped off, and uh-huh. it says seven thirty. Yes. Which, you know, if you think back to the Faith Buffy dream, seven three zero, counting down from seven three zero. But then Tara says, "Oh, that clock is totally wrong." Uh huh. Uh-huh. Because the seven three zero number is no longer as significant as it was at that time. Yes. Um, and then also like they're saying, there's a lot of people saying it's like sun and it says sun AM as in the morning, as in the dawn. Yes. Uh, so like a lot of layered meaning in that clock because Tara tells her to make sure she's back before dawn. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, I think, oh, and then, I mean, this is kind of obvious, I guess, but the fact that the Slayer or the Scoobies are all killed in the dream, except Buffy, in a way that is to do with their part in the spell and in the order uh-huh. they did the spell. So Willow gets like her life force sucked out of her spirit, yeah. and then Xander gets stabbed in the heart, mm-hmm. and his heart ripped out, and Giles's head is cut open, uh-huh. and then she tries to attack Buffy, but Buffy beats her. Right. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of the main bit about the trivia, I believe. Noise, noise. The episode was also written by Joss Whedon, who uh, got a lot of room to play around for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very fun. I find the I find this episode very captivating, and it's definitely one that really uh, you re- your enjoyment of it like definitely really goes way up once you've seen the whole show. Right. Because, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff is foreshadowing future events and whatnot and, uh, you know, laying little character nuggets that will pay off at some point in the next few seasons. So it's really it's really interesting. Little nugs. And I I enjoy this episode is very polarizing, I feel, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just really, really hate it. And uh, a lot of people really enjoy it. And I am in the enjoyment camp because... I don't, it's it's nice to have something that's you know a little bit cryptic and lets the writer just sort of play around a little bit and try to do what they want artistically instead of being beholden to have to make sure the plot makes sense. Right. 
I um I was in the didn't like it as much category originally. Uh-huh. Like the first time I watched it and I was like, I'm sure this is really like meaningful or whatever, but I don't get it and it it makes me annoyed. And so <laughs> Yeah, since I watched later parts of the series before I saw this episode, I don't really know what I would have thought about it. I feel like it would have made it made me really excited for the next season. Yeah. I think you really hit the nail on the head when you were like you said it's really cool in con like in the context of having seen everything because when you mm-hmm. go back then you can be like holy shit right exactly. oh my god yeah um but yeah good stuff so zachary before we uh, start discussing the episode would you like to give our disclaimer i guess if i am no you don't have to if you don't want to Oh, I forgot. Well, we can talk about it in a second. Never mind. It's, <laughs> okay. It, it's it's timely enough. So uh, it's time for us to move into the segment where we dive deep into the episode. And episode. Episode. And share our thoughts My name and is teams. Tasha Shalid. And uh, don't worry. If you haven't seen the whole series, there shan't be any spoilers. Uh, we'll only be discussing up through this episode, uh, though we may allude to some future foreshadowing in discreet Yet the cheekiest manner. Only the cheekiest. So let's fucking get going. I am actually going to... I I was joking about using the script last week, but then I was like, wow, my notes are so, like, crazy because I was typing so much stuff. I am actually going to use the script. So uh, we'll see how this goes. Well, it's fun to type, like, when you're typing it and when I was watching it for with notes, it was, like, a little easier than some episodes because there's not just, like, bam, 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 line, 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 like the usual show. There's lots of, like, uh, ethereal, like, in-between stuff. Yes. And they do a lot with um, silence in this, which Mm -hmm. is really cool because, you know, in TV, usually you want things to, like, clip and go quick and yes. like move fast and uh that was discussed in some of the stuff i read too about how like a lot of the shots are a lot longer yeah and linger on things a lot more than you normally would in tv right and like it's like the sort of like those one shot effects they do when they like transition between scenes like mm-hmm. instead of uh cutting a lot right it's really cool also the score is fantastic it's like <laughs> it's not <laughs> I don't know. I, it just makes me think. We used. To, I used to teach at this school that was like project based learning, uh, ostensibly. And um, whenever I would have kids do like a video project, it was always funny because they would just like sh- they would just like set up like an iPhone and just <laughs> record the whole thing from one angle the uh-huh. whole time and run it like a play. Right. <laughs> and I was like, let's get dynamic. Let's get some shots. Right. You be filmmakers, and they're like, um, "This is about the notes of the staff, Mr. Riker." Calm <laughs> <the fuck down." laughs> so uh, we start out with the previously on Buffy. We remember stuff about Adam and the spell. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is one. This is the thing I was talking about. Saying this is one of only two episodes where there is not like a cold open before the titles. Oh yeah, because it just has the previously and then goes right into the titles. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, Adam dies. And so after the intro, we are inside Buffy's house, presumably, like, right after the initiative stuff. Mm. Like, I kind of want to know what happened in between them getting to the house and leaving the initiative. Because the last time we saw them, they were fighting for their lives. Well, we they were, like, still getting out of the initiative. They just montaged the end. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, like, I w- like, did they have they spoken to the government yet, or what? I, I mean, they have to have because they're talking to Riley about well, it. This is after the debrief part. Yeah. So, uh, 
Riley is talking about how he needs. Her. Well, I mean, the when I say the debrief part, not the one Riley talks about, but the yeah, yeah, the <laughs> yes, the, the one Pentagon at the end of the guy. last episode. Yeah. So Riley uh, is like, uh, there is. I'm gonna be fine because Buffy's worried about him going to initiative stuff, and he's like, uh, he basically is like, I have too much information for them to like try to do something bad to me, which doesn't seem like very logical to me. I'd be like, right. Like uh, they could take you prisoner. So I would think that the government would just like imprison me, especially if I were a deserter. Mm. Like I, I would not be as confident as Riley, but everyone, everyone seems pretty confident that or just kill him. Right. Exactly. Everyone see, seems pretty confident that it's going to be fine. He calls the, he calls the whole incident, the, the administration's own Bay of mutated pigs, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. Which uh, reference to uh, JFK. Uh huh. Yes, of course. Whole, uh, Cuban fiasco. <laughs> Willow says it's like blackmailing the government in a patriotic way. I never realized. I was looking that up just to see, like, because I, I, I like. The Bay of Pigs. I just knew it was something shitty that the U.S. had done. Right. And there's so many of those. How can you keep track? But it was like an illegal invasion of this country that was against all these international laws and and we failed anyway oh shit well Uh, it was this massive embarrassment you never know till you try i guess rip so uh uh, xander and joyce come out of the kitchen they've got some popcorn and xander's like it's my own recipe uh he actually pushed defrost instead of the popcorn button (laughs) but joyce helped him Oh, man. Uh, so Riley leaves, and Joyce is like, it was nice to finally meet you. And he, he gets out of the house, and Joyce is like, notice how pointedly I said finally. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Joyce, you deserve that. And Buffy's like, nope. And she just like walks away or Buffy something. Buffy came right? home like twice in a whole year. She was yeah. in, Joyce was in, let's see, I think she was in The Freshman. She was in Fear Itself, and she was in uh, This Year's Girl. This Year's Girl and Who Are You? And that's it. <laughs> Those were the only episodes she was in, I'm pretty sure. Right. Xander keeps referring to movies as vids. Yes, it is very funny to me. Vidfest. Let the vidfest begin. And uh, they apparently have not slept since the initiative, which may have been a day ago, may have may just been a few, a few hours, hours ago. ago. We're not really sure. Buffy isn't wearing the same outfit, and I don't know if anyone else is. I'm not sure. But she no. could have just like thrown on a hoodie or something. I don't think so. They've all changed. I'm I mean, it makes sure. sense. They did just fight in the middle of a bunch of explosions, so they were probably covered in some some gunpowder or something. Yeah, gunpowder and lead. Gunpowder and lead. So uh, Joyce goes upstairs. Uh, they talk about how powerful the spell was, and they can't sleep. <laughs> Xander's like, "We got plenty of vid," and I was like, "Right, uh, this is a little too Buffy speak for me." <laughs> I was like, "It's just really weird." It's a very vid. strange way to say it. I wonder, like, is that a real way that people talked about? Anyway, I don't know. Oh man, Xander but wants to watch Apocalypse now. Right, and he says it's a gay romp, and um, <laughs> that would be like if you wanted me to try to fall asleep, that would actually be like a perfect movie because it is so boring. And for weird. some reason, like, I'm sorry if you're a fan of Apocalypse right. now, I just can't deal with that movie. I watching movies always it can be the most compelling movie. I can be really enjoying it. It always makes me really sleepy. Mm. It's also just like egregiously really like I mean it's like about the Vietnam War 
Right. Or um, the Viet Cong War. <laughs> um, it, no. That was a Daria reference. And um, it's just like really gory too, and very like. Ugh. Yeah, it doesn't sound um, doesn't sound fun to me. Not not uh not a not a gay romp for sure. Xander assures them, however, that he's also got plenty of chick and British guy flicks too. Mm, it's <laughs> unclear what those are. So he just uses, you know, his his first option. And we're like, okay, whatever. Uh, so we look at the TV and we get the FBI warning. The yeah. always we just watched a movie last night that had one of those on it, and uh, it was like a whole minute long. It took forever to go away. They really want to make sure you read the part about not pirating it. <laughs> would you would you download a car? If I could. Fuck yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah, are you kidding? Uh, so uh, it turns out everyone is very tired and they go straight to sleep. Right. They are out before it's done. It really did take me back, though, to a time and place where it was like that green FBI warning screen. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's blue. We're just watching a movie on a weekend at night. Yeah, sometimes it is blue. And it's in that full screen format. Yes. Ugh. Those are the days you know, on the CRT television. That four by three, baby. <laughs> baby, peak of technology. Having your TV sitting on the ground because itself is encased in, in, in a wooden box. Right. <laughs> so Willow is in Tara's dorm room and uh, Tara's like laying down. Uh, you can see her bare shoulders, but you don't really see what's going on. Bare shoulders. <laughs> Tara's not a bear. Uh, so Tara's like, I think we should worry uh, that we haven't found her name. And Willow's like, what are you talking about? Oh, you forgot to talk about how it zooms in on Willow to get that it's her dream and she's holding a cookie. Oh, <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's so funny. Uh, so Willow's like, what are you talking about? Are you talking about Miss Kitty? And Tara's like, you think you she would have told it to us by now. So we're already getting the cryptic stuff. There's a lot of stuff about names in this episode, which I uh, believe is supposed to, you know, fit in with the season's theme of identity. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of stuff about names, and one of them is about Miss Kitty. And Willow's like, oh, she'll tell us she's not grown yet. And Tara's like, you're not worried. Willow's like, I'm safe here. And Tara... He's like, but you don't know everything about me. And we're like, hmm, what could that possibly mean? I don't know. Uh, And (laughs) she assures Willow, however, that she's told Willow her real name. This is where she's painting, right? Yeah, we see her writing runes on Tara's back. And I believe these are like an actual poem in a different language. Yeah, it's by uh, Sappho of Lesbos. Yeah. The OG lesbian. Did mm-hmm. you did you see what it's supposed to re- uh, say? Nor. Nor. Okay. Just well. that it was a poem by her. Some sort of Greek poem, which you know is appropriate. They often use Greek stuff for their spells. By the uh, the proto lesbian herself. Uh, yes. Lesbian. The proto. Lesbian. Oh yes, the proto lesbian. The uh, <laughs> the prototype. The one uh, we improved upon to get mm-hmm. modern day lesbians. Mm. Uh, so Tara is like, they're going to find out about you, you know. And Willow says, I can't think about that. I've got all this homework to do. So we have uh, we have Willow's identity crisis is still continuing, I believe. She's still mm. worried that she's hiding her real self from everyone. Very interesting. Right. And then uh, the cat is kind of like walking towards the screen. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, she looks outside the window, and the window is like the desert too, which is neat. Yeah, and she's and Willow's like it's so bright. There's a lot of uh, a lot of sunlight in this episode. Mm-hmm. And then as the cat is like walking towards, it's supposed to be like making tigery kind of sounds, I think, and it flashes the first Slayer. Yes. And uh, then we cut we into a hallway, and we're in the college. And it, Oz it is, is there. the college, so there are lockers. I I was. But there are lockers, yeah. Yeah, I was I was con- I was pretty sure it was the college, but I was like, I can't remember those lockers. I was like, is it supposed to be the high school? Well, it's all the arches. Yeah, the arches aren't in the high school. Yeah, and so, but I don't know if the lockers are in the college. Yeah, so maybe. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I that really hallway I think is in the college. I so. I agree. But that's yes. the point. Like there you're like in a room but it's and it's you know it to be this place, but then it's also like spatially architecturally. Yeah, it had me feeling like different. I was in a dream. Right. So Willow is going to drama class. She's walking through oh, the script says university hall, so mm. that's it. Uh so she's going to drama class and she runs into Oz and Xander. And Oz is like, drama's a tough course. <laughs> Willow asks if he took it, and he's like, oh, I've been here forever, which is very cryptic, and I'm not sure what it's supposed to mean. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I believe you, Oz, sure. Uh, so she starts opening a locker, <laughs> and Xander's like, she does spells with Tara. <laughs> Oz says he heard about that, and Xander's like, after Willow leaves to go to class, uh, Xander's like, sometimes I think about two women doing a spell, and then I do a spell by myself. <laughs> Just very funny. F- funny too that it's in Willow's dream, right? That Xander is horny in all realities, <laughs> right? No one can imagine him otherwise. Um, you know, so who isn't horny at times? Yes, Willow makes it backstage, and there's all sorts of people there getting ready for a play. There's like this gigantic red curtain, but they're like all in a different costume. Yes. Yeah, they are. Harmony's like in this milkmaid costume. Riley's a cowboy. Buffy looks like Sally Bowles. Oh, I was going to say she looks like Velma Kelly. Or Velma Kelly, yes. Either one would work. Uh Uh-huh. So Willow is very disoriented, and she's like, what the fuck is going on? She sees Harmony, and (laughs) Harmony's like, it's our first production. And she hugs Willow, which would never happen in real life. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently she and Willow have a scene together and she's like, I love you. Don't step on my cues. <laughs> yeah. There's all this, which is a theme throughout Willow's on my dream. cues thing, which is very interesting. Like what is Willow? Does Willow? I was wondering about that. I was like, is this a, like an inside joke about Allison Hannigan or something? <laughs> or like, I think it's supposed to like mean something about like Will- what Willow thinks about her relationships with other people. But yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure what it could be. Yeah, I um all the uh, I I have a test like every other day it feels like uh-huh. so I didn't have the mental capacity to like analyze this too much. But um yeah, I, that's that's what I was kind of thinking like the way she feels like she's always kind of extra or like in the way like, or yeah, like I don't know, her problems are like hindering people or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh we see we see now Buffy in her full her full costume. She's also very excited for the play. 
uh, and uh, she tells Willow that her whole family is in the front row, and they look really angry, very <laughs> excitedly, she tells her this. And Willow's like, uh, what the fuck? This is supposed to be the first class. Mm-hmm. Riley, t- Riley comes up in his cowboy outfit and is like, well, uh, you showed up late, or you, got a be- you could have gotten a better part. And he's very excited about being cowboy guy. I really frequently have dreams that, like, I I am for some reason called upon to be a college drum major again. Oh yeah. And direct marching band and but I don't have my uniform and also I'm like thirty four years old and uh-huh. I'm like, what how do I and they're like, Well hurry up and get ready, you're gonna be late and I'm like, Oh god and then I can never find my what I need to get ready. <laughs> it's so. been a long time since I last had a dream. It's probably something about uh not being able to manage a classroom full of children. Mm. (laughs) so Buffy tells Willow that her costume is perfect and she says no one is ever going to know the truth about you and Willow's like "Uh, I'm not in a costume and Buffy's like "Uh, you're already in character I should have done that which is very funny to me (laughs) Uh, so Willow's still confused she's like we haven't rehearsed Harmony says well some people haven't and Riley again is like I was on time so I got to be cowboy guy (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah, he keeps talking about being on time. And then Willow's like, uh, this isn't Madam Butterfly, is it? Because I have a whole problem with opera, which is a reference to nightmares. Right. Uh, I was so, I'm was i always so happy when that happens. Because Willow uh, has a problem with uh, stage fright, we know. And frogs, possibly. And frogs, yes. <laughs> it's been a while since we've been exposed to the frog fear. Mm-hmm. So now Giles comes up, and he is, seems to be the director of this play. He gives this pep talk. Sort of like a uh, throwback to the talent show or the yeah, puppet show. Yeah, right. Uh, and he says, everyone Willow has ever met is in that audience, including all of us. Very <laughs> funny to me. And he says, uh, energy, 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 especially during the musical numbers. <laughs> and Willow's like, what the fuck? Uh, so... We see the figure, the first slayer in the desert, briefly. Mm. And uh, it, we just like continue to like keep getting glimpses of this throughout her dream. And this is one of them. And uh, it, oh, oh, I one like thing, I w- I just want to go ahead and kickstart the uh, racism conversation about this. Yeah, episode. I was wondering when we were gonna because first of all, or do it. Uh, this is where the script describes what she's supposed to look like. And it's like, she's in dirty rags. She's got her face painted in clay. She's got these really long claw-like nails. And the script calls her the primitive. Uh. And yeah, it's just, uh, it's a little unfortunate that this black woman is being portrayed and referred to this way. Even though, like, like we've t- kind of talked about it in Beer Bad. Like, just because, like, you're portraying like someone who lived a long time ago doesn't mean they're like unintelligent stupid, right. and stupid and gross and like people still had societies a long time ago right yeah and the f- like later on in the series you do get some clarification on this first slayer and uh-huh. get to go into the backstory a little bit more which only makes it worse right <laughs> it um, sure it sure does in a lot of ways because like you could be kind of forgiven for thinking that the Slayer is supposed to be like the missing link between like man and beast or something. Like yeah, the way they portray like her, an evolutionary intermediate or something that's not even fully and I think human, which there is are, ridiculous. There are other reasons for that, but we'll get there when we get there. 
But yeah. Um, and she has this like crazy like jagged knife. So Willow's like, oh my God, do you guys see that? And uh, everyone's ignoring it. Giles is like, <laughs> he says, the audience wants to strip you naked and eat you alive. So hide. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he also brings oh, up Willow stepping on everyone's cues again. Yes. And Harmony is like trying to bite him this entire time. And he's very annoyed by it. He's like, stop that. <laughs> and we learned that this production is of Death of a Salesman, which I don't know the significance of that. I have no idea what that play is about. It's a salesman, I think. Oh. But from what I gather from Willow's comments in the episode, it is not supposed to be set in a rural area. It's not supposed to have a cowboy. It's not supposed to have a cowboy, or at, uh, at the very least. Some sort of Scandinavian or German milkmaid. Right, so Buff, uh, Willow walks around backstage and she finds the cheese man who's made a space for the s- cheese slices. And she just kind of like gives him this like open mouth like... She's like, what the huh? fuck? <laughs> but she just ignores him and goes into the red curtain and does like a very dreamlike hallway walk in, in between these red curtains. In like a vagina metaphor. Oh, I hadn't even thought about it that way. Uh, yeah, well like Tara's in there, right? Yes. And, uh, yeah, it seems very sexual to me. Uh-huh. And uh, Tara's like, things aren't going very well, huh? And Willow's like, this is, like, I don't think they're doing things the proper way. And <laughs> why is there a cowboy in Death of a Salesman? <laughs> uh, Tara's like, you don't understand yet, do you? And Tara confirms to Willow that something's following her. And Willow's like, well, what do I do? The play's going to start, and I don't know my lines. <laughs> Tara says, the play's already started. That's not the point. Again, uh, it's the very main theme of this is Willow is acting for people and she doesn't know what to do. Mm. Mm. So we get on <laughs> the the stage and we're watching the play. And it's like Harmony's there carrying milk pails it and Riley's talking to her. It really reminded me of the producers and uh, uh-huh. Bialystok and the old lady are like, Let's play the virgin and the well, or the virgin milkmaid and the well-hung stable boy. Yes. <laughs> and uh, anyway, she's like, "Oh, this milk is so heavy." <laughs> so. And then he says, first I'll take your milk, and then I shall take your virginity." Yes, <laughs> uh, I've heard that many times. That's the movie version. So, uh, so. Or the recent movie version. Yes. So Riley asks Harmony if he can take her pails for her, and she's like, they're not that heavy. Uh, and why are you even here anyway? <laughs> Our town with no post office and, and very, very few, few exports. exports. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's lo- come looking for a man, a salesman. <laughs> very good. And Buffy is the whole time just like kind of reclining on this chaise long. Yes, she's with just a cigarette. There. Uh, and Tara tells Willow, if they find out, you'll be punished. I can't help you with that. Uh, Willow's still wondering what's after her. Is it, uh, if it, is it something she forgot to do? What's going on? She, uh, she and Tara look around. I Things really are moving around <laughs> them. <laughs> I didn't get the whole thing written down, but I really like Buffy's monologue in the, the play. Yes. Uh, so Tara disappears, and then we see Buffy <laughs> angrily talking to Riley. Who is so the I like this is one of the cinematography things I really uh-huh. liked because the camera is at like a higher angle, right? And Riley is really close to it and just kind of looking out toward the audience while Buffy is sort of looking at the camera delivering this speech. Mm-hmm. And Harmony's in the background crying for some reason, yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know why. Uh, but she's just like talking and complaining about men, and she ends it with men with your sales. <laughs> what can I expect from a bunch of no count hoodlums like you? <laughs> I love it. It's so like funny. a it's like our Willie voice, right? And it it see, <laughs> it's just really funny because it's so weird, but it also really has that writing that feels like a play monologue. Yes. Uh huh. And uh, the way she's acting it, it's so it's just so great. I I love it. So the curtain starts to get stabbed through and ripped and torn up, and it's Willow's like a knife. <laughs> no, no. Willow's trying to get away, and finally Buffy's hand reaches through the curtains, and she helps Willow out. Buffy, right after the knife attack. Oh, interesting. very interesting. I hadn't uh, thought about that. The first Slayer, and then and Grant. then Buffy, yeah, huh? So uh, Willow follows Buffy through the curtain, and they're like sneaking through a high school classroom now. And Buffy's like g- kind of sneaky. She's like she's telling Willow to stay low. She asks what it looks like. Willow's like, I don't know why it's after me. What's going on? Buffy says, you must have done something. And Willow's like, I'm very seldom naughty. <laughs> uh, she's like, the play was starting. I just came to class. And Buffy's like, the play is long over. Why are you still in costume? More mm. of this costume stuff. And so Buffy rips off the quote unquote costume Willow has on. And then we see the classroom is full of people, including Anya, Buffy, Xander, and Oz. And Harmony. And Tara and Harmony. And we cut to Willow and she's wearing I th- what I believe to be her outfit from Welcome to the Hellmouth. Yeah, I think so. And she's got long hair again. She's, she's high school Willow. Seen the softer side of Sears again. Yes. <laughs> so uh, here we go again. Willow uh, continues to be insecure about uh, not being mature enough and uh, being stuck in high school as a little goody two shoes. Still like and still like a geek that. Yeah, a geeky nerd. Make fun of, peop- of her. And uh, Anya's like, it's like a tragedy. (laughs) And she's like, there should only be Greeks. It's like a (laughs) Greek tragedy. There should only be Greeks. I was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Oz tells Tara, I tried to warn you. Willow starts to give a book report about the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And, and Xander's like, what the fuck ever? And Oz and Tara are like really horny They're canoodling, yes. Uh, Very, very strange... uh, I get, it, t- Willow's, I guess, worried that uh, her girlfriend is not actually a lesbian and will hook up with her boyfriend. Um, just more insecurities. Yes, very. Lots of insecurities in this Willow dream. Well, and of course, I mean, we're wrapping everybody's kind of thing up, aren't we? Uh-huh. So well, and also being like, I wonder how these feelings are going to progress in the future. Right. And then the first layer, like, tackles her and starts, like, sucking out her life force which yeah in the same sort of like a vampire it like looks like mm-hmm. she bites her neck and then we like do a close-up on willow's face and like her skin dries up and her eyes cloud over yeah so she's she was the spirit of the combo buffy yes so this she heard life force is being drained being killed through losing her spirit and everyone's just kind of watching nonchalantly uh uh, supposedly because Willow, one of her deep fears is that she could be killed in front of her friends and they wouldn't do anything. And then uh, in real life, uh, Willow is choking. Yeah, she starts to gasp for she air. <coughs> and then we cut to the next dream. So we so see Willow continuing to gasp and Xander wakes up. He's like, did I miss anything? 
uh, Buffy's like a bunch of massacring because <laughs> it's apocalypse now. And that's when we get the shot of the TV, which I guess is not the actual apocalypse now. It's no. just like a facsimile of it. Yes. So the soldier is like, damn this war. What's happened to my men? And Giles apparently does not like apocalypse now. He says very overrated. Yes. Uh, Xander's like, I remember that it gets better. Buffy offers him the popcorn, which is new car smell flavored. And she says, she, and she says, want some corn? <laughs> yes, I love that. That reminded me of uh, what was what was the quote in the movie? Um, they say something about popcorn in the movie that I really loved, and I can't remember what it was. Um, Maybe it was a similar thing about corn. I think I've seen the movie like two times, and one of the times was for watching or for the podcast. Uh, I can't, I wish I could, Is something like they have the best corn or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, I, w- I really wish I could remember that quote hmm. in the context. So, uh, Buff- Xander looks at Willow, he's like, what's going on with her? And Buffy says, big faker. <laughs> and I was like, wow, wow, Xander, this is your dream. But right. it's it's very interesting that, uh, like, the stuff the first Slayer is doing is not only affecting the real world, but what is happening in everyone else's dreams. Right, like she's picking them off one by one, and like that affects how the dreams play out. When I sort of wonder how much of that is, um, is like meaningful and like a kind of, or you know what I mean? How much of it has like this deeper meaning, and is how much of it is there just to be like confusing, right? Like blurring the lines. Uh huh. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice that there's that mix of stuff thrown in Mm -hmm. there. So Giles is like, I understand it now. It's all about the journey, isn't it? <laughs> and that's what we tell ourselves about season four to uh, mm. enjoy it a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the appar- climb, you know? Yes. This apparently makes Xander have to pee, which he has a system for. He doesn't need Buffy's help for it. Right. <laughs> so he goes upstairs and he's starting to go to the bathroom. But Joyce interrupts him. She says, hey. And she's looking all sexy in a red nightgown. Right. I'm so, I was so happy to see Christine Sutherland in this episode. Right. She was really fun. Uh-huh. And he's like, hey, Joyce, uh, Mrs. Summers. And he starts going toward toward her, and she's flirting with him. Mm-hmm. And apparently everyone left a little while ago. And he says, oh, I should probably catch up. And she says, I've heard that before. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? I was like, is that supposed to be like Xander's psyche, or is it supposed to be something I sexy? I think both. Yeah, I don't, they're not m- mutually exclusive. Yeah, because um, it's like, well, Xander's whole thing in his dream is about like not getting out of the basement. Yeah, and he is the Spinel. Yes, the Spinel from Steven Universe, the movie. Um, and so, yeah, so we've got the. Uh, that's what I took it as the like. I agree. I've heard this before. So we continue on. <laughs> uh, Joyce is like uh, um. A man's always after conquest. Xander says he's a conquistador. And then she's about like, what about comfort? And he says, I'm a comfortador also, uh, which I re- really enjoyed. Uh, she says she's learned a lot about boys because she's an older woman, woman and she's experienced. Uh, so <laughs> she's like, would you like to rest for a while? And something I haven't mentioned is that occasionally there will be sort of a close up on Joyce. And you'll hear her voice, but her mouth doesn't move. Yeah, and um, she's not the only one that happens for that. Uh, yeah, later it'll happen for Tara as well. Kind of contributes to the dream quality of things, doesn't it? Uh huh. And it's sort of like to me, it kind of makes it seem 
uh, more like uh, instead of like cryptic uh, foreshadowing stuff, it just makes it seem like Xander's fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Xander's like, I have to go to the bathroom, and he leaves, and he s- g- leaves to go. <laughs> he leaves, and he leaves. He opens the door to go into the bathroom. Uh, he starts to pee, and uh, he looks over, and a bunch of initiative people are watching him, and he's like, I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. Uh, All men, I noticed. <laughs> so he leaves the bathroom, crosses the hall, and he uh, steps into the other room, but it turns out to be his basement. <gasps> Sandra's basement. Oh, Oh no! <laughs> and Not he, the basement. He hears the door rattling, and he's like, "I didn't order any vampires." Mm. But uh, he's very scared of this. The delivery, I think, was a little different. But <laughs> I didn't order no vampires. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at the door. He says, "That's not the way out." A couple of times. Mm. And uh, so he like starts to back away. He goes through the door he came in. And he ends up on a playground where Giles and Spike, both wearing the same like uh, Giles type clothes. Yeah, the s- the suit on Spike is particularly interesting, isn't it? Oh, why is that? Hmm? What is it? Describe it to me. It's like a brown tweed. Oh yes, yes, very interesting indeed. So they're they're on the swings, and Buffy is playing in the sandbox. And Buffy's like, are you sure it's us you were looking for? Uh, and Spike's like, Giles is going to teach me how to be a watcher. And Giles says, one of my favorite quotes from Giles, Spike's like a son to me, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, and Xander said, like, I already did that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because Spike lived with him for a little while. Mm. Yeah, I, I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. And he's like, but I got other stuff going on. And he looks at the ice cream truck where another Xander is giving people ice cream. <gasps> another Xander? Do we? De- what did we do to deserve two of this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and Xander says, always got to be moving forward. And they compare it to a shark. Xander's like, and much less fins. And <laughs> right. Spike says, With and feet. on land. <laughs> and Giles says, very good. Which is very funny to me. And then uh, he says he's okay. It's not coming for him yet. And um, and then Buffy, that, Buffy says it's not coming for her yet. Or yeah, she says it. And then he says something else, and she's like, "I'm way ahead of you, big brother." And he's like, "Brother." Yeah. And then there's this really long, which one of the things I read interpreted it as like that's the end of his like sexual attraction to Buffy. Yeah, like this like is a very like coming to terms with like like oh real Buffy is never actually going to be into me. Mm-hmm. Or I feel like it also could be some of the very very heavily layered early season 5 foreshadowing. Mm. The brother thing. Mm. Mm. But possibly not. Possibly it is just uh, symbolic of his feelings for Buffy. And hers for him. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Giles tells Spike to put his back into swinging. The swing really looks like when they hit, like, the t- the top of their, like, arc or whatever. It, like, it looks like it's really, like, struggling. Like, you can kind of oh, yeah. see it moving. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like when you, you're a kid and you try to go all the way around the top. So, I get, uh, so that must have just been, like, on a set or something. Must have been. Probably, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. 
Probably. That's what I think. So um, we now like are looking through the point of view of ice cream truck Xander and mm-hmm. like he sees other Xander just looking at Buffy. And now it's ice cream truck Xander that we're following. Oh, and also interesting that, that Giles said Spike is like a son to him. Yes, I uh, completely some agree. Other, some other interesting foreshadowing. Types. Yes, they really have this idea in their brains. Mm-hmm. So uh, Xander gets into the driver's seat. And Anya's like, where the fuck are you going? And uh, he's like, I don't know. She says, hey, girl. (laughs) Where do you think you're going? She's like, I've been thinking about getting back into vengeance. And he's like, don't fucking do that. Uh, Mm. And Anya says, it's a very, I think this is going to be a very big year for vengeance. And I was like, hmm, interesting. Hmm. Uh, Anya says, uh... (laughs) Uh, she, she insists that she's going to con- uh, she wants to be a vengeance demon th- again and he's like that is you shouldn't be doing that and she's like you don't want me to have a hobby <laughs> he says society has rules and borders and an end zone uh, yeah an interesting statement from Xander mm. uh, and so he gets interrupted by some giggling and he looks back to see Willow and Tara who are <laughs> Very provocatively dressed and have very different makeup on yeah, than like they normally very would. heavily made up. And I was like, is this like, is this just, is this what Xander w- wants women to look like? Yep. I was like, this is, don't, don't ask a straight man to give you a makeover. He's, he's just a horny all the time. He's no, just, it fits though, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, how it, many for me, it's just. Would you want? To I understand the clothing, but the makeup for me is like, wh- what? I just think it's I don't think it looks great. Kind of reminiscent of Faith's makeup. Yeah. Perhaps, yeah, maybe he, uh, that was a really formative experience for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and he says, "Do you mind? I'm talking to my demon." And this mm. is another one of those things where he hears Tara's voice, but her mouth doesn't move. She says, we just think you're really interesting. <laughs> so it's it's ca- almost like maybe Xander, this is like Xander's fantasy that the women around him are thinking of, a, of these things or mm-hmm. something. Like even though they're not saying them, they're thinking them. And uh, so <laughs> they're giggling and Willow's like, watch this. And we get a close-up on Xander's face as he's memorized by presumably watching them make out, which we cannot show on screen in the CW. Mm. Although I do think the way they work around it makes it, uh, they're like working with their limitations to make it affect you in a very (laughs) particular way, just like zooming in on Xander's face. Right. And Tara's like, want to come in the back with us? Come in the back. (laughs) So <laughs> he looks over at Anya and she's like, oh, go on. He's <laughs> like, I don't have to. But she's like, I think I figured out how to steer by gen- gesturing emphatically, <laughs> which she promptly does as he starts to crawl into the back because so she's like waving her hands left. It. It's very funny. And he's like climbing up all the way up into like a top shelf in the back past a sheep sticker. Right. And they it like having those sheep stickers. Yes. And it narrows vertically and he ends up crawling back into the basement. All roads lead back to the basement. <laughs> yeah, they sure do. Uh, so he's like kind of annoyed that <laughs> the girls aren't there. Uh, we hear the door slamming again. Uh, and he's like, I know what's up there. And it continues to slam and it opens and... Uh, Xander is like really, really scared. He bumps into the cheese man. <gasps> cheese man. And he holds up the cheese and he's like, These will not protect you. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, 
And then uh, we cut to the green college scene. The green college scene. And we get a, a glimpse of the first Slayer. Yeah, so we have this weird color palette. Like, there's a the main stuff is all green and like things the outside are orange, orange and purple and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so yeah, we get that shot of the first Slayer following him around. He sees Giles and he asks him what's after him, and Giles says it's because of what we did. I know that, and Xander's confused by this, and he's like, the others have gone. Uh, I need your life may depend the on what I'm have about gone to on ahead is what he says. Yes. And that's important. More of the more of that uh, the Xander story being left behind, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. He and he's like, this is really important. You need to get to. And then he just starts well, he speaking says, French. He says, your life may depend on what I'm about to tell you. Yes. And then he immediately goes into French. Uh-huh. And so what he says, apparently, I got this from IMDb, so grain of salt. But it I says, see it in the script right now. So, uh, the house we're all sleeping all your friends are having a wonderful time and getting on with their lives <laughs> the creature can't hurt you here and then he's like what go where i don't understand and then he says oh for god's sake this is no time for your idiotic games which you can hear him the like thing kind of like in yes. the french part and then and then um, anya comes up yeah anya is also speaking french and she says xander you have to come with us now everybody's waiting for you <laughs> and Giles says that's what I've been trying to tell him in right. French. Uh, so they they grab him and they start to drag him into the crowd, and he's really distressed. And he sort of like gets pushed down, and there's all this camera stuff. He's calling for help, and he ends up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's like been being walked through a badly green screened jungle, mm-hmm. and the, also there's terrible green screen in the ice cream truck. Earlier. I think that's like sort of on purpose i don't well they said that he wanted to do i read somewhere that child or that joss whedon wanted to do like a rear projection for oh, the yeah? driving scene but they their set wouldn't allow for it i guess you need like a lot of room mm, makes sense and uh something something like the barbie movie would be cool mm-hmm. that moving set but you know expensive <laughs> right but yeah i think uh I don't. I think it adds to the dreamy quality. Of I agree that it looks weird. Mm-hmm. It's very like shaky and like well, you can almost is you s- almost sort of get the thing with hair on the green screen where like it makes that fuzzy effect. Mm-hmm. And you, they. I also had like read a description about how like a lot of the background shots are like purposely weirdly still. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's yeah. It's just like it's moving up and down and stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's he's being walked through the jungle by some like uh, initiative soldier or something, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he goes and gets into this little like alcove sort of thing where the there's apocalypse a apocalypse now section. Yes, there's a man lying down on this uh, bed, and uh, we hear, "Where are you from, Harris?" Xander says, "The basement, mostly." Uh, the man asks, "Were you born there?" And Xander says, "Possibly." Some more basement shit. And then uh, he sits up a little bit, and we can see now that it's Snyder. <gasps> I am so glad that they got Armin Scheimerman back for right. this. Uh, so he says, he talks about how he once passed by the guidance counselor's office, and uh, it smelled like dead flowers, like decay. And it hit me that our nation's future is a bunch of mulch. And I was like, is this a dream, or is this just actually Snyder's ghost talking to Xander? Because <laughs> right. it seems seems like something he would say and he's like you know i never got the chance to tell you how glad i was you were eaten by a snake yes i really enjoyed that and i i'm sure xander did too i'm glad he got that moment mm-hmm. 
So he starts to like wash his head. Uh, he asks where Xander's headed, and he's like, I'm supposed to meet Tara and Willow and possibly Buffy's mom. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, Snyder's like, your time is running out, which, you know, very, uh, very, Mm. you know, meaningful for Mm. Xander and his psyche. Snyder asks if he's a soldier and Xander says he's a comfortador. And Snyder's like, you're neither. You're a whipping boy raised by mongrels and set on a sacrificial stone. (laughs) So Xander is feeling some type of way about, uh, his the way he's utilized in this group. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I'm getting a cramp. Yeah, so he stands up and uh, turns out that he's now in the courtyard outside of Giles' apartment. Mm-hmm. He uh, goes in and he just like sees the other ones talking about Willow, who's continuing to like gasp and choke. And uh, they just kind of ignore him. He keeps going and he gets into Buffy's residence hall. And everyone else is ignoring him as well. He goes into Buffy's room. She's not there. Uh, he's super freaked out. He goes into the closet, which turns out to have, like, this big hallway in it. And goes goes through it. <clears throat> and it's back into his basement. <gasps> the third time he's gone in somewhere and arrived at the basement. Mm-hmm. So this time the door opens and we see a man up there who presumably is Xander's father. It's like, you can't come upstairs. Are you ashamed of us? Your mother's crying her guts out. And Xander's like, you don't understand. The man says, you don't understand. Uh, The life ends with, your life ends here with us. You're not going to change that. You haven't got the heart. And so, you know, we got Xander's home life now. Right. But then also his heart gets ripped out. Yes. (laughs) His, uh, so the first slayer, reaches into his chest and pulls out his heart and he was the heart you have forgot to mention how she was animalistically stalking him yes yep uh, it's like oh she can't even just walk like a person uh, right this is the i i feel the most explicitly we've gotten uh xander's parents are shitty kind of thing mm-hmm. like this is the first time we've seen either of them first of all yeah i don't even i mean you don't even really see him yeah, it's, he's sort of just silhouetted, but you can yeah. s- kind of see his face. But uh, yeah, the most we've gotten so far is the fact that they are charging him rent or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, he gets his heart his ripped out. His mom does bring him juice. She sure does. His mom does make him juice. And fruit punch. So after this next break, instead of like trying to fake us out that we're back outside of dream world, uh, we just go straight into a dream. And uh, Giles is using a pocket watch... Uh, it's swinging around in front of Buffy's face as though he's hypnotizing her. Kind of a callback to uh, Helpless. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. And she's wearing this kind of like little girl dress, which is interesting because it's sort of similar to the thing with Faith and uh-huh. the mayor and how he always would have her in these like little girl mm-hmm. dresses. Absolutely. And uh, Buffy's like, you don't think this is a little old-fashioned. And Giles, this is, I I could not, I don't know how to interpret this. He says, this is the way women and men have behaved since the beginning, before time. And I was like, obviously the like before time thing is supposed to be a reference to the first Slayer. Men have been infantilizing women. Yeah, I so guess. I'm it's guessing. Not, it's not inaccurate. I'm guessing that is supposed to be something cryptic about the first Slayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't really get payoff from it exactly uh, for a long time. (laughs) But there is going to be payoff to this Mm. thing. And I hope we remember it when we get there. 
So uh, Giles is like, now look into the light. And uh, Buffy starts to laugh. And she says, tee hee. Tee hee. <laughs> <laughs> and we see Buffy grab his arm. And now they're in some sort of like fairground or something with some Christmas lights on an elephant hedge. And uh, mm-hmm. Buffy is now wearing pigtails and she's wearing overalls. She's very childlike and she's pulling Giles along. And Olivia is next to him pulling, uh, pushing a stroller. An empty stroller. An empty stroller, yes. And so some, uh, some Giles as a dad imagery for us. Right. And, uh, yeah. S- uh, and it's like a, <laughs> it's a fair, but it's also in a graveyard. Yes. <laughs> and there's the little vampire uh, that she can throw a ball at. Yeah. And so, uh, she yeah, she sees this, like, sort of fake vampire. And she's like, I want to do it. And she throws a ball and misses. And Giles is like... Uh, you have a sacred duty to protect mankind. Don't stick your elbow out. <laughs> <laughs> so she does it again. It hits the vampire. And she's like, look, I did it. And Giles is like, I haven't got any treats. <laughs> and Olivia says, for God's sake, Rupert, go easy on the girl. So Giles is feeling some type of way about how he treats Buffy right now, I suppose. Mm. I also feel like um, there's a lot in here about how he is kind of giving up any chance of having his like own his kind of normal life uh-huh. to support Buffy. Yes, uh, and so he's like, I'm not even doing it very well. Like a surrogate child for him. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, uh, I'm so I didn't mean to say that like I was presenting some kind of really great insight <laughs> or something, but um, I, I, the, you know, I liked the part too where um, he's like, "Don't you're forgetting the fable about patience. And she's like, which one? He's like, the one with the fox and the less patient fox yes <laughs> very funny he also says i found this very interesting he says this is my business blood of the lamb and all that mm-hmm. so and that's the like you know just conjuring up the image of like slaughtering something innocent for like a ritual mm-hmm. and or like jesus a sacrifice sort of thing they are, like like they always talk that's what they always say in the truth yeah and the like the blood a, of the lamb yes blah, blah, blah. to <laughs> yes to refer for to Jesus and the uh, crucifixion and stuff like that. And Uh, so it's sort of like uh, maybe he feels like he's being complicit in the sacrifice of Buffy for mm -hmm. the good of the world. Right. Which he is. Yes. He he has been very, very explicitly in the past. Uh Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so then <laughs> I also like when she hits the vampire with the ball, it's like, ooh, you snake me. <laughs> and, uh, yes, that's very funny. So Buffy has now put mud on her face, and he's like, you're going to get that all over your face. I thought that was after she, or that was when she got the cotton candy for the vampire. Yes. Wait, what? She got co- a cotton candy for getting the vampire. Oh, yeah, I just didn't say that. And, uh,. Then he sort of sees the first Slayer, right? And he's like, I know you. Yes. There, she, does she have the mud face? And it kind of flashes, right? Mm-hmm. And so then he sees Spike. Surrounded by gnomes. Yes, outside of a crypt. Garden gnomes. And he's like, come on, you're going to miss everything. <laughs> so Giles walks in. And now Olivia, who has teleported in there, is crying. With the the strollers like on its side. Yeah. She can't put it up or something like that. Mm. No child for Olivia. I, th- I think uh, it would have been cool if this were uh, Jenny, but I think that was the plan. But uh, yeah, I know. 
but uh, I kind of like that it's Olivia because she's the most recent mm-hmm. woman who like he has not been able to have a relationship well, yeah. with because of his life. Well, yeah, exactly. I was gonna say it makes more sense because that's some there's something that theoretically he could do about it. Right. Exactly. He could. I mean, couldn't have Je- a baby with Jenny unless she was resurrected or something. And uh, this black actor gets money. <laughs> right. <laughs> when they have no black actors ever. Probably not enough, but some. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh. So yeah. Um. He he says, "Don't push me about. I have a great deal to do." And I was like, "Okay, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's always busy." <laughs> uh, and, and we see like Spike in these like black and white shots, like posing for a bunch of paparazzi, right? And Giles calls him a sideshow freak. Well, and he's supp- apparently that's supposed to be like Spike in like this role of like this arch villain from like old movies or something. Yes. <laughs> how he's supposed to be kind of, but in a, like maybe the, I feel like maybe this is a little bit of Joss Whedon writing some meta stuff in there too, about how he's mad that Spike is taking up so much spotlight. Probably. So Giles is like, what do I do with all this? And Spike is like, you have to make up your mind. Stop wasting your time. Haven't you figured it all out yet with your enormous, squishy frontal lobe? <laughs> and Giles is like, I think Buffy should have killed you. And I agree. You're right. I agree, Giles. Dream Giles. I'm glad right. someone is on this page. Uh, Giles passes the cheese man who says he has a couple slices on his head. <laughs> and he's like, I wear the cheese. It does, it does not, not wear, wear me. me. I love it. <laughs> I and Giles my favorite like, part is, yeah, what he says. Honestly, you meet the most appalling sort of people. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, uh, Giles walks into the bronze, which is very busy. And Xander and Willow are researching with some books. Mm-hmm. Xander's got a big hole in his chest. Yes. And Willow's like, uh, yeah, I know there's a lot going on. Uh, only a death's door over here. And look at Xander. <laughs> and he refers to his sucking chest wound, which teleported me back to, I think it was in season one when Buffy said something about a sucking chest wound. Uh, can you say sucking chest wound? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was she talking about? I'm trying to remember the episode. Somebody was like making fun of her about something, I think. And she was, that was like. She's like, a sucking chest wound would feel better than... I don't know. I can't remember. No. um, Somebody said something to her, I think, and Uh she turned it around on them. Like, can you say, uh? And she's like, can you say sucking chest wound? (laughs) I wish I remembered. It's like, shut the fuck up or I'll stab you. Right. (laughs) Um, So Xander's like, I promised Anya I'd be here for her big night, but I'm probably going to be fertilizer before she starts. (laughs) Because he is dying because his heart is ripped out. And then he's like, and that is in the way that I would be under six feet under the daisies, fertilizing them with my dead body. Yes. <laughs> so Anya gets up to the mic and she starts reading a joke from some paper. And she's like, a man walks into the office of a doctor. He is wearing on his head, a, there's a duck. <laughs> and she starts like checking and her notes. People start talking and she's like, quiet, you'll miss the humorous conclusion. <laughs> yes, I love it. And so we just cut to Giles, Willow and Xander again. And Will is like, do you know this is your fault? And Giles is like, we have to think about the facts. I have a gig myself. You know, I'm so busy. And uh, so maybe it's sort of like referring to how he has his own life, but he is always doing stuff with the Scoobies mm-hmm. or something like that. Will says something primal animal is trying to kill us. More slight racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giles says that that used to be us referring presumably to the spell. 
Mm. And Xander says, don't get linear on me now, man. Very cryptic. Like, oh, is he trying to say that it is still them? Like, it hasn't worn off yet? I was thinking that used to be us as, like, we used to be, like, these, like, primal people. Mm, But, and Xander's like, uh... Don't act like we still aren't that, or like like time yes. is linear, or something like that. Right, it, like it's that view of people of having like primitive people, whatever, or like people from the past, is like we talked about earlier, being like yeah. savage and mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and like the racist colonial view of people who right weren't like starting in the Middle Ages <laughs> Europeans for some reason, right? They exactly, they were super awesome with their no bathing and diseases. <laughs> for sure, uh, exactly. Uh, S- so we cut back to Anya, <laughs> and she's like, and the duck tells the doctor, "There's a man that's attached to my ass," <laughs> and everyone really loves it. And she's right. like, "See, it was the duck and not the man that spoke." <laughs> Very funny. And then Willow calls Giles Rupert. Right. She's like, if we don't know what we're fighting, we don't have a chance. And that's when Giles begins to sing. Mm. Uh, and he's singing, he's sort of like working through this problem. And he's like, it must be the spell we cast with Buffy. It's released a primal evil. Uh, so Willow, look through the chronicles. Uh, we've got to warn Buffy. She's probably next. And Xander, help Willow and try not to bleed on my couch. Yes. <laughs> I just had it try not clean. to bleed on my couch. I just had it steam clean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so good. So there's oh, and I, I forgot. Christoph Beck is playing the piano on the stage. Yay! That's awesome. I and, didn't realize that. And the band that backs him up is oh fuck. What's it's the one that they are they play. Um, it's the band that plays Dingoes. Oh cool. But they're called like One Eye Mary or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember. That's neat. Is so. Devin there? Probably not. He's just an actor, right? Mm. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, there's some feedback and he gets down and he looks at the mic cord and he follows it and he follows it to a big pile of cords and he reaches into it and pulls out the watch, uh, the mm-hmm. pocket watch from earlier. And he's, he's like, well, that was obvious. <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean? Are you Do you have any ideas? Like, About the watch? Yeah. Like, why is it in this pile of microphone cords? Why is it obvious? Um, it's not obvious to me. Yeah, I don't I don't actually get that bit. Yeah, it's very it's somebody very who's smarter than us. Tell us what's up. Yeah, if you have any interpretations about these things, we do not understand. Start your own know. podcast. This was the worst week for me to get this this episode right. My brain is fucking jello right now. It's okay. No one comes to us for <laughs> the g- a great insight onto this. Sh- everyone said everything about this show already, mm. so we're just here having fun, right? So. Uh, uh, we see the s- first Slayer behind him, and she sort of like creeps around up to him. And he's like, I know who you are, and I can defeat you with my intellect, cripple you with my thoughts. Mm. And that's when she starts to cut open his head, and he says, you underestimate me. You couldn't know. And uh, we don't see his mouth move as we hear, you never had a watcher, and blood comes down his face. Mm. And so that's when the audience is really supposed to realize, oh, it's the first Slayer. Oh, oh my. And uh, so Giles starts to gasp as well, just mm-hmm. like Willow sort of is doing. And then it's Buffy's turn. It's time for Buffy's dream, which is probably, I would say, the most cryptic of them. Well, and she's, yeah, well, there, and there's so much little foreshadowy bits. And which, you know, fits because Buffy always has prophecy dreams. Well, and her issue is her separateness, her separation from everybody. 
Right, exactly. So that's like a big it's like one of the biggest themes for hers is less explicit, just it just doesn't have the other people in it. Yes, exactly. Um cuz she's in her dorm room, right? But uh-huh. it's not Willow and it's it, on here from the other bed, Anya telling her to wake up. Mhm. She's like, "Please wake up." Buffy, wake up. I don't like this. She's like, "I need my beauty sleep." Uh, but hanging from the ceiling is the first slayer, and it roars in her face. Oh. I guess I should say she. She roars, roars in her face. Right. Yeah, don't, don't fall into their racism. I'm reading from the script, which is still referring to her as the primitive, Oy. which ugh, I don't Oy. like it. Uh, so Buffy wakes up in the living room, and she's like, oh, my gosh, it was a bad dream. Uh, and she uh, sort of looks. She's in her room now, though. Mm-hmm. And she, and then it sort of cuts to her like looking into the room, like her bedroom at her house. Yes, and her bed is very messy. Uh, and Buffy's like, Faith and I just made that bed. So calling back to uh, who or this year's girl, the dream in this year's girl, and mm-hmm. also the graduation dream day part and deux. graduation day. Yeah, exactly. So Tara's like, for who did you make the bed for? And Buffy's like, I thought you were gonna tell me. And this is where we get the part with the clock and the. All the elements. Yeah, so Tara's like, oh, that clock's completely wrong when Buffy's worried that it's late. Because of the 7.30 in the morning. 7.30. And and she tries to hand her the Monus card. Yes, and Buffy's like, I'm never going to use those. And Tara says, you think you know what's to come? You have no idea. Or, and what you are. And you really have no idea. So what is Buffy? You, You haven't even begun, is what she actually says. Oh, yes. Uh, and this is the first time we hear that line. You haven't even begun in uh, the in this episode. And, and so Buffy's like, I have to find everyone, and she leaves. And Tara, actively bathed in sunlight, <laughs> says, mm-hmm. "Be back before dawn." I wonder what that could mean, Zachary. What indeed? <laughs> what, mean? At, what if at all? If and anything, could it mean? We cut to Buffy, and she's wearing, I think, that cherry dress from the freshman. Oh, was, was that in the freshman? I'm pretty sure. Oh, I think I remember. Yeah, I love this dress. I didn't go back in. Although I did notice that it is incredibly wrinkly. It is so wrinkly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they didn't have a steamer in the in well, the wardrobe. See, the wrinkles actually symbolize. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe they did that on purpose. <laughs> so she's walking through the hallways, and she's like, "Have has anyone seen my friends? They wouldn't just disappear." And then Joyce is living in a hole in the wall. <laughs> I love this part so much because she like finds a hole in the wall and Joyce is there. And she's, she's like, why are you living in the walls? Yeah. Why do you have a loaf of bread? <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, it's okay. I made some lemonade and I'm learning how to play Mahjong. <laughs> she's like, go find your friends, which I'm assuming is Buffy's subconscious being like, I need to spend more time with my mom. Right. And, uh, she's, <laughs> there's a cut line here that said that when, when Joyce is like, go find your friends, Buffy, uh, in the script, it says, "I think they're in trouble danger." Yeah, and I guess they cut that because it is not that funny. <laughs> I think it's funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, and then Joyce starts to laugh, and she's like, "A mouse is playing with my knees." <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is a reference to uh, Disney contract. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Uh, and I was like, "That is." I really enjoyed that. I really like that. Yeah, the Joyce, all the Joyce elements of this episode are really fun. And Buffy's like, I don't think you should live in there. <laughs> and she leaves while Joyce is like, you could probably break through the wall. 
And then, but she just leaves her there. And then this is the part where we see Xander going upstairs, mm-hmm. and Buffy follows him. And that's the only like Xander is gone from the dream after so, that. Yeah. So like Buffy again, she does not interact with any of the other Scoobies. It's dream. like I'm guessing it's like oh she's trying to go for her friends, but she ends up doing something else. To no uh, or yeah, but to me, I read it as like it's her always being like well, by being the Slayer, she is divided and separated from them. In terms yeah, exactly. Of like her like responsibility, even though she's trying to follow Xander, uh-huh. but yeah, but yeah, she's always like, "I have to do this. I have to do it by myself. It's uh-huh. just me." And this is her and mind doing that, right? Exactly. So she ends up in a room with Riley and uh, a, a man we might who might look a little bit familiar, mm-hmm. who is Human Adam. He looks so much scrawnier without all his little weird wrestler. I know you would think that he was like a buffer man. I mean, I'm sure he is like a really buff guy. He's just probably isn't wearing a balloon. But also makes him look like Stretch Armstrong or right, exactly. But also his face looks a little bit slimmer too. Mm -hmm. Well, he doesn't have all the all the prosthetics. Yeah, and the uh, Uh, the weird computer ports. Possibly, possibly controversial (laughs) opinion. I think uh, Frankenstein Adam is hotter than regular human oh. this man is attractive yeah but i was like you know this makes me appreciate how how much of a a truck adam is <laughs> <laughs> riley greets buffy with hey there killer and mm-hmm. i was like hmm uh, the last time we have heard the slayer referred to as a killer i believe was in who are you mm-hmm. and it was faith responding to forest Right. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting Riley stuff in this little segment. <laughs> Riley says that the de- debriefing went fine and they made him Surgeon General. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's because he was able to perform heart surgery on himself and be okay enough to fight a super soldier. That's true. Uh, so, yeah, he deserves Despite to be Surgeon possibly General. possibly not having control of his legs or bowels. Right, exactly. Did you say bowels? Yeah. Did oh. you forget? I forgot. Did the you thoracic so? nerve. Oh, yes, yes, yes. True. And how it, uh, <laughs> yes. It, I, he just well, hadn't eaten that day. I just looked up like what would be some possible uh-huh. side effects of having that severed. And yeah. That was one of them. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. So remember we talked about him fighting for us with the, the pants full of shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do remember that. So Riley's like, oh, we're trying drawing up a plan for world domination. The key element is coffee ma- makers that think. <laughs> Buffy's like, is world domination good? And Riley says, it's the government. It's what we do. And I was like, yep, yep. And that's what they want. And this shot is from underneath the glass table, and you can see the gun sitting on it. Yeah, and it's very like spooky looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Adam's like, aggression is a natural human tendency, though you and me, he and Buffy come by it another way buffy says we are not demons and adam says is that a fact mm. so buffy seems to be having some misgivings about uh, her humanity i suppose well and uh, the demons part is interesting yeah very interesting indeed and uh and uh it's a very fun little little thing there and uh then <laughs> The alarms start going off, and the initiative voice is like, the demons have escaped. Please run for your lives. <laughs> yes, very funny. And, uh, oh, but before that happens, Riley is like, Buffy, we've got import- important work here. A lot of filing and giving things names. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, very interesting. We have names being brought up again, mm-hmm. like in Willow's Dream. Uh, there, the name of the first Slayer is not mentioned at all in this episode. Mm-hmm. 
as though she doesn't have her own identity. Which is weird because her name is in the spell. Right, exactly. And then, But then also, uh, later in this dream, Tara has to talk for the first Slayer. Mm-hmm. So another thing about like identity and the first Slayer perhaps uh, does not have have her own like Buffy does. Right. So and Buffy asks Adam what his name was. And he's like, not a man among us can remember... Mm-hmm. And so that's when the intercom thing happens. <laughs> and <laughs> Riley's like, we'd better make a fort. And Adam says, I'll go get the pillows. <laughs> and so they leave. Uh, and Buffy's like, wait, my weapon bag just conveniently appeared at my feet. This is another really big like dream thing where you need to yell something to somebody, but you can't. And your voice is just a little whisper. Like, I have weapons. Yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, she reaches into the bag and it's just mud and she smears it all over her face and the same like inverted effect from the carnival fair thing happens Mm -hmm. and it's very spooky. Spooky ooky ooky. And it's sort of like uh, they're they're trying to give it sort of like this primitive vibe. And uh, then um, she says, wait, who says, I thought you were looking for your friends? Is that right? Riley, yeah. He's like, I thought you were looking for your friends. I guess you're on your own now or something like that. And what she, he says, okay, killer. Yes, killer again. It, I guess you're on your own. Mm-hmm. And, uh, huh. I wonder what that could mean. What could that possibly mean? Well, and then, you know, killer, of course, you you get this kind of thematic thing about Riley doesn't understand the role of the Slayer. Right. Uh, or, then, or possibly that... Uh, Buffy is afraid that is what she is and how we've well there's layers and layers and layers of it but like how like in uh, New Moon Rising he was all like it's black and white demons bad people good yeah and of course that's not the case Mm -hmm. and so uh, we see uh, Buffy's face isn't muddy anymore and now she uh, she's like walking and the floor starts to become covered in sand. We have and a sandition. Yes, the sandition. That's right. And, uh, it's funny because like it looks like a Zen garden almost. Uh-huh. The way it's like kind of like all perfectly lined, and then you get out in the there. She's in the desert. Yeah, and uh, we get this really iconic shot of her standing and looking out over the desert, and it zooms out a lot, and mm-hmm. it's like Buffy in the desert, and it looks really cool. Mm. And uh, Buffy's like, I'm not going to find them here. And we see Tara. And like, there's this neat She's thing. dressed as uh, the I Dream of Genie Lady. Uh, a little bit of, of cultural appropriation in this, uh, w- what I believe is supposed to be an Indian looking outfit. Mm. And she's got like the like the thing that covers her bosom and like the, her uh, sort of like a crop top almost. Her bosom. <laughs> yes. And Kyle's like, actually 85. It's showing her midriff and she's wearing like a, like a wrap skirt sort of mm-hmm. thing. She's very calm and like we get this thing where it sort of looks like uh like time the pa- like a very short time skip where she's mm-hmm. walking and then she like fades into another location. Mm-hmm. It's very trippy looking. And Buffy's like you're not in my dream. Uh Tara says she was borrowed and I was like does that mean she's borrowed? What does that mean? Uh but someone has to speak for her talking about the first slayer. Mm-hmm. And Buffy's like, let her speak for herself. That's what's done in polite circles. Mm-hmm. And so she starts, uh, the the first Slayer starts to like walk around Buffy. Buffy says, why do you follow me? Tara says, I don't. Buffy asks, where are my friends? Tara says, you're asking the wrong questions. And then Buffy is annoyed and she's like, make her speak 
Tara says, I have no speech, no name. Mm. I live in the action of death, the blood cry, the penetrating wound. I am destruction absolute alone. And Buffy realizes it's the first slayer Mm. or the slayer. And Tara says the first. Mm -hmm. So the first slayer stands up. Uh, We see uh, the tarot card, the Manus card. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... Uh, oh, actually, sorry. No, it's the deck of cards. Uh-huh. The Manus card was earlier. And we see one of them has a picture of them sleeping in the living room on it. And Buffy says, right. I'm not alone. Uh, Tara says, the Slayer doesn't walk in the world. And Buffy says, I walk, I talk, I shop, I sneeze. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a fireman when the flood rolls back. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Is she going to touch the fire? I- is it going to freeze? <laughs> Um, I think it's like, it's, I, that, I think that's an insight into her being like that. She feels like someday she will get to a point where she can step back and have a normal life. Right. Right. I think that that's what I was thinking as well. She says, there's trees in the desert since you moved out and I don't sleep on a bed of bones. Now Mm. give me back my friends. And then the slayer speaks herself in this, like you know like raspy like oh barely understands english sort of way Mm. that's like "Mm." people had languages and Mm -hmm. this is also a dream like someone can probably speaking and whatever so she says no friends just the kill we are alone and then we get cheese guy cheese man yes he's just dangling some cheese Mm -hmm. Uh, that sounds like a euphemism for something (laughs) i'm dang i'm I'm just over here dangling cheese always biking kikes so Buffy says she's going to wake up. Uh, the Slayer uh, jumps in, jumps at her. They fight a little bit. Uh, Buffy sort of gets the upper hand. She says, it's over. And then she gets tackled by the first Slayer again. And they roll down this dune. And it mm. cuts to the living room as we hear uh, someone say, uh, stop it or something like Enough. that. Enough. And who do you know whose, whose voice is that? Is it Buffy's? I don't remember. I couldn't tell whose voice it was. Uh, so she wakes up in the living room and uh, everyone she's on the floor. Yes. Yeah. She's on the floor instead of on the couch. Now uh, she gets up. Everyone else is still sleeping. And the first slayer is there and it starts stabbing her again and again. And but nothing happens. She Buffy's just kind of annoyed. And uh, you said it again. Oh, oops. And <laughs> God uh, damn it. It's the script's fault. I promise. And uh, Buffy like rolls her eyes. She's like, are you quite finished? I'm yes. going to ignore you and you're going to go away. It, which is exactly what happens because she like, actually, it's not exactly what happens. She talks to her. So Buffy starts to get on the couch and uh, the most racist part happens. She says, also, in terms of hair care, you really want to say what kind of impression am I waking, making on the workplace? And then she wakes up. And uh, yeah, in the middle of the sentence, she wakes up and it's the real world now. So everyone starts to wake up and starts to just sort of look at each other. And we cut to the dining room. Mm -hmm. So they're sitting around the table and Willow's like, wow, the first slayer. Uh, Not big with the, uh, Xander says not big with the socialization and Willow says, or Or the the floss. floss. And I was like, okay, okay, I get it. She was dirty and gross. Right. Also, she predates floss. Yeah, right. Why would she floss? And uh, then Giles is describing about how what they did was like an affront to the source of the Slayer's power. And Buffy's like, why didn't you bring that up earlier? And he said, I c- said there could be dire consequences. 
you said, but you say that about chewing too fast. Yes, very funny. I'm glad <laughs> that I'm glad that they edited that because in the sp- script it says you say that about everything, and I'm oh. glad they I'm glad they changed it because that's funnier. Right, punched uh, it up. And Joyce is like, uh, "Well, looks like I missed some fun." And Willow explains what happened, and Joyce is like, "Oh, uh, you want some hot chocolate?" The the spirit of the first Slayer tried to kill us in our dreams. Yeah, so oh. Joyce is Joyce is used to this now. It's just so funny. <laughs> yes. And she asks if Xander wants to be her kitchen helper. He can't decide if he should call her Joyce or Buffy's mom. Which is <laughs> it's so, so weird. funny. It is so and funny. funny. And so, like, this is the kind of horny I can be here for because mm-hmm. he's not like, Buffy, I think about you naked all the time. It's just happening in his brain and we get to see the fallout from it. Right. I really enjoy it. And uh, he's like, he tells Buffy, from now on, you keep your Slayer friends out of my dreams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Willow says, she's not good for the sleeping. Right, and as Buff- the last thing we get is Buffy walking away and like, well, at least you guys didn't dream about that guy with the cheese. Don't know where the hell that and came from. Yes, they just all look at each other. It's very funny. And so Buffy's going to take a shower. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's upstairs walking through the hall. And she looks, goes toward her room. And she stands in the doorway. She looks into it. The, there are no lights on. Uh, we see the bed from like behind and it's very neat. It's very quiet. And Buffy just sort of looks in the room. And uh, we, is this, uh, do we, we hear a voiceover here, right? Or do we not? I don't think so. So oh, yeah, no, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Sorry. I couldn't remember. You, I, I, if this actually I happened. thought that was the end of my notes, but there's more. It's Willa, or it's Tara again saying, you think you know what's to come, what you are. You, you haven't, haven't even, even begun. begun. And so uh, Buffy just sort of quietly like looks into the room a little bit. Uh, she leaves and the room stays in frame for a moment before it cuts to credits. Mm-hmm. And that is the episode. That is And it. I just ha- I have to say this ending scene with the room like gives me chills every single mm-hmm. time. Very cool. It's very, very cool having seen the show. I really like this episode. Yeah, quite good. It's uh I like I thought it was gonna be a little bit more annoying to watch and take notes for, but I was really captivated the whole time and I f- really found myself wanting to like make notes and think about it. And it's something that's so one of the things I think that makes the show really great is that they try different stuff Mm -hmm. like the thing with the silent episode. I mean, I know like they didn't invent the silent episode or whatever, but like I do feel like they were doing a lot of things that like you probably couldn't have gotten away with doing. Yeah. And just the very concept of having the final like the climax happen in the previous episode and then to have like a whole episode that's all supposed to be like this nonsensical foreshadowing and character exploration. Right. Yeah. I feel like a part of that is, I don't know, maybe that was the, one of the slot, like small upsides to maybe Joss Whedon being a dick is that he could get his way on stuff like this. And yeah. Be yeah. Able to, I, I'm not saying that's for sure what happened. I have no, maybe he just did it and nobody fought him on it, but like, yeah, I, probably it seems like something that like a network person would be like oh i don't know man i think at this point they probably were just letting him do whatever he wanted as long as it wasn't too crazy so yeah i mean it's it's just something that's it's like i don't know it's familiar enough but with such a twist on it that it makes it interesting and 
fresh and fun to and it's also watch. like the advantage of white guy confidence <laughs> like you can be like well i have this kind of crazy idea that's really different and it's probably gonna work i'll just do it <laughs> right so and sometimes you know that works out for us and so. some people would agree that it did for this episode and some people would not should we apply a number to our thoughts here? We certainly should. Zachary, how many stakes are you going to give this episode? I gave it 10. 10 I stakes for Restless. I mean, technically, psh, does it deserve to have some shaved off for racism? Yes. Did I do it? No. It wasn't uh, It wasn't an integral part of the plot. The racism wasn't as integral to the plot as in Pangs. Is it like plot? Okay, so story-wise, 10 uh, the raisin part makes it like technically a 9.5, uh-huh. but yeah, I'm going to call it 10. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed this episode. I'm not going to go as far as 10. Like this, I'm never, I'm never going to pick this episode up outside of a rewatch and watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would want, I would have to have this be in a context of a rewatch, but I still really enjoy it. I'm going to give it an 8.5 and the 0.5 is for Tara being used so liberally. Right, yeah. I think, I, I don't know, I just really like it in the context of the entire show. I do as well. And knowing, I don't know, the, the, the stylistic parts of it and how, like, they really did do a great job of capturing what it feels like. And there was a there was a bunch me. of camera work, too, that I took notes about that I didn't even get to mention. Like, there's one point in the desert uh, where, like, it does all these really quick cuts to different angles mm-hmm. of the environment and then back to Buffy. Right. It's really cool looking. It's just, it just evokes, you know, I don't know. It just really, it's really captivating and... If you re- like, pay attention to it and like take in all that stuff, it's just really cool. Well, and in, and even considering like the limitations, and actually, I think that probably benefited it. Uh huh. The limitations of like the time that it was made, because you know today they would just be like, well, let's just put him in front of a green screen and we'll <laughs> make everything crazy looking, right? Computer bullshit, blah blah blah. But they like, but actually they're like, to they're using like composition of shots and like technique and they're using things with like lenses and like different kinds of like focal points and things like that, that really like, it's just really well crafted and not mm-hmm. just like, Oh, just throw like a 30 foot tentacle monster in there and uh, they'll shoot it with lasers and blah, 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 blah. And that, you know, I know I'm like really oversimplifying that, but <laughs> I right. you get what I'm saying. But it's not like a, like a Mar- Marvel movie where they just like do all the backgrounds in post. Yes. Or like Once Upon a Time, <laughs> like every uh, fantasy world or thing is just them standing in a green screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like, we're not going to have any practical set mm-hmm. for this. Yeah, I think it's great. But yeah, um, so good stuff. Let's move on to the MVP. Kyle, who's the MVP? Uh, this is difficult. <laughs> I guess it's Buffy. Yeah. I <laughs> I'm going to give it to She's Buffy. She's the only one that... She kind of breaks through the dream thing. Yeah. So... Although Not points deducted for being racist. Right. It's the microaggression for me. All right. Uh, Zach, I know you didn't. Uh, you, you were talking to me about how you don't have much of a queer analysis for this one. And that makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's, you know, artsy and dreamy and... Uh, that's gay. Yeah. Well, I that's what I was going to say is just like the concept of making a cryptic episode like this is like a little bit extra and... I think the camp. extraness is I I wouldn't say, I don't know if I'd say camp. I think it's a little bit too self-important to be campy. But I th- there is an element of camp that is like that though. Mm. 
Sure. Like so there's self-aware camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. But yeah. I'll have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think well, I mean, of course there is a lot to do with identity, which I mean the whole show is yes. about that. But I mean Especially particularly in Willow's dream. Right. Well well and just internalizing like who you feel like you are in the world and your like kind of view of the world, your your schema (laughs) but um to use some term probably wrongly that i remember from college psych um, (laughs) but like just um that whole idea of dealing with where who you are and how everybody sees you and And the way you move in the world and the decisions that you make and how like queer identity kind of feeds into all of that and becomes this whole layer of your person mm-hmm. in ways that you sometimes don't want it to. And like you're wearing a costume and hiding yourself from everyone and how we, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. Right. Because it's like, you know, I mean, I guess there are some straight people. It's, it's this whole thing about like how you don't want like one part of who you are to become like your whole personality. Right. Sort of. And, um, you know, somebody being queer doesn't like define who they are it's just like an element of it yeah i think that is about um, that's about as much as we can extract so from this episode yeah also gay people frequently do drugs that's um, true no <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> uh, yeah it's just really tough because like this is this kind of gets very specific and granular yeah well and it's very like it's also so meta too yeah. just like about the show itself yeah um, but not that there's nothing queer about it. I mean, obviously, right? You, know, you got Tara and Tara and Willow, Willow making there. out off screen in mm-hmm. there. In there, well, that's the I would say that's the straightest moment of the very episode. Weird makeup, yeah, true. Um, speaking of moments, <laughs> what was the gayest moment of the episode for you? Random musical number. <laughs> Mine was all those dudes staring at Xander's penis while he was trying to pee. <laughs> <laughs> the initiative, dudes staring at Xander peeing. All right. That seems like some gayest moments to me. Are you ready for an angel report? Report the angel to me. Uh, it's very interesting because the season finale of season one of Angel is sort of like, okay, you've gone through this whole season and now we're going to have some plot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because like, there's not much of an overarching plot. At, like, I would say even less than in season one of Buffy. Because at least like she has the master like trying to work against her and she right. knows she needs to get rid of him. So wait, so this is you said the series is this season one finale or is it season after? one finale? Yeah, it's okay. to Shanshu in L.A. Mm. and uh, I believe he learns about a prophecy mm. and also that'll come up again. I wonder. Um, to mine, I haven't seen past season one, so I don't actually know. But I I feel like I've heard a lot about an angel prophecy. Mm. might do and also uh at the very end of the episode wolfram and hart resurrects darla (gasps) gasp and uh remember in season one when i spoiled that darla comes back (laughs) oops i was like maybe she'll come back which is why would you say that about a dusted vampire oh man it's so much fun with darla on like i like um julie uh what's her name Julie Benz. Julie Benz. I love her. She, <laughs> like, her the way she played Darla on Buffy is so cheesy. Uh-huh. But it's so much better on Angel. I do think they did a l- did really well with the build-up to this. With uh, There's lots of Angel flashbacks in the season. 
and uh and like about be him becoming Angelus and the early days of him being Angelus and stuff like that. I do want to be clear too. I don't think that Julie Benz's take on Darla necessarily was cheesy. I feel like she was kind of directed to be that way. <laughs> You're not leaving until, until we, we fed. But um, yeah, no, the storyline on Angel, I, I don't remember every beat of it, but I remember it being a lot better than anything Darla did on Buffy. Right. She gets to actually like do stuff and be important to the plot. <laughs> thinking about her with those guns <laughs> those, the bronze. Fuck, best moment of season one by far so wild and so that's angel so we get a prophecy that's going to are going to play a big part i'm pretty sure we get darla back and we're like okay we're gonna have an overarching plot next season i think i hope yeah. <laughs> all right zach that's it for restless <gasps> oh my fucking god oh my god um so i we we Next week, of course, we're going to do our normal reflections bonus episode, and then uh, we'll just like last season, we'll have a couple weeks in between a couple of bonus episodes before coming back with season five. I am thinking about doing. I think for our one of our bonus episodes, I feel like we should do like another TV show, like another like a first like a pilot or something, something we enjoy. Um, and I was. I don't I might put a poll. I might do a poll on Spotify for some options. Mm. Like it would be cool to do an episode of Six Feet Under or Charmed or like uh, mm-hmm. even something like Steven Universe. Right. Or uh, why? Or like a zine, like a bonus episode. <laughs> Zach hasn't been listening to me. But why? Why something else? Just because I think it would be fun to talk about another TV show that has it's like tangentially a little, uh, you know. Queer or sure, <laughs> or uh, supernatural or something like that. Sorry, I've been like chugging coffee trying to be more energetic and it's not working. <laughs> well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I might put up a poll, I might just like say, Hey, if there's a was there a TV show you'd like us to discuss a little an, about an, an episode? You know, of I mean, I have lots of TV that I like, that would be fun, uh huh. And so, uh, and if we don't get responses we can just choose one i also have another idea for a bonus episode that uh i want to keep i mean it's not like it wouldn't be like a huge gigantic surprise or anything but i'll keep it under my belt uh so we'll have a couple bonus episodes we'll have our reflections episode next week and we'll get on with season five in about a month and a half or so Mm. which i am i'm so excited because once we get to season five we get into my buffy bread and butter Mm mm-hmm because I started in season six, and I feel like f- season five flips a lot of stuff over that uh, gets me into my really comfy Buffy territory. Kyle's Buffy car- carbohydrates. <laughs> Your carbohydrates. So, Zachary, you would you like to tell everyone where they can find us? Yeah, that is it for season four. Oh, Whoa. my God. Uh, we only have three left. It's moving so fast. Oh, my God. Uh, thank you for <laughs> listening. Uh, and if you liked what you heard, please be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can support us by leaving that five-star rating and review on Apple. And you can also uh, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at BuffyGazePod. Yes, you can also reach out to us through email at BuffyGaze at gmail.com. Please share us with your friends. I've got several communications 
from people over the last week or so, and it's been very nice. Uh, Blair recommended She-Ra and the Princesses of Power to mm-hmm. us, uh, and I that's already something I wanted to watch, so that might be something I put in the running for our bonus episode. Work. Work. <laughs> or like Xena or something. And... Uh, yeah, I got so that person who talked about the poll. Someone was like, if you guys do a Baldigate, Baldur's Gate 3 stream, I'm there. <laughs> uh, and uh, Katie Katie agrees with us about Buffy needing to kill Spike. <laughs> uh, so some nice nice communications. Thank you guys for mes- messaging us. Yes. Uh, and this has been Season 4, Episode 22 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Join us next week for our season four reflections. Ooh. Oh my god! Well, we discuss who is that girl we see staring straight <laughs> back at me. Yes, you'll get to hear our rankings, our uh, our episode averages, all that fun stuff, all the all the stat stuff that I like to put together Ooh. for that episode. Fine. But until then, I'm Kyle and I am Zach. Why are you moving your microphone? Because I feel like it. And we are your Buffy Gates. Buffy Gates. Happy slaying. Goodbye. Goodbye.